ないと。Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of Egg and Night. It is just Chris, Lucy, and Tony here flying solo.、Uh, my partner Aruba could not be here this week.、Uh, several things in both our personal lives have prevented us from doing this show regularly. As you know, we missed,、uh, I think, two upload weeks now from our last episode, which was Sisters of the Gion. And we don't feel right about that, but there's just too many circumstances in place where we can't exactly meet together and talk about the film. Uh, that we chose for、uh, our fifth episode. So, in lieu of that, I am just going to quickly throw together a bonus episode like this,、uh, centering on the live action anime adaptations I've been watching recently. So, if you remember from our past episodes,、uh, making a film in Japan is extremely difficult when you're not working off of source material. Adaptations、uh, dominate. The theater runs in Japan, mostly because、uh, producers aren't willing to take a gamble on original stories.、Uh, they would much prefer to have a property that has a built in fan base attached to it before letting their、uh, hired director do what they will with that property.、Uh, this is why you see dozens of these live action anime adaptations and manga adaptations every year. It's the, one of the most popular. Forms of entertainment in Japan. And this is why we're, I'm doing a whole bonus episode about a couple of them that I've seen recently,、uh, mostly because they've not been good and that always makes good entertainment,、uh, talking about them at least, but also because it's just another way to look at the media ecology currently in place in Japan and how、uh, me and Aruba are working our way through it. So, without further ado, I guess we'll get started.、Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the 2017 adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4 Diamond is Unbreakable.、Uh, this is the Part 1 film, so that should suggest that a second part is presumably on the way to theaters.、Uh, no, no word about that, though.、Uh, this is directed by one of my favorite directors of all time, actually, Mike Takashi. You may know him well as the director of Audition, director of Ichi the Killer,、uh, known for his graphic genre cinema of Yakuza and occasionally, mostly Yakuza, but occasionally horror, occasionally、uh, family dramas,、uh, occasionally. He, he, he runs a whole spectrum of Japanese film genres because he is more like a director for hire, but he lets his、uh, eclectic themes seep through his productions every now and then.、Uh, so, like, we said, like I said, this is based on the fourth part of the popular series JoJo's Bizarre Adventure.、Uh, the manga was originally written by Araki Hirohiko, and the anime that、uh, this film is. Leaping off of aired between April and December of 2016, produced by David Productions.、Uh, this is mostly a Toho and Warner Brothers production, although there are at least 18 other production companies associated with this because that's just how you get films made. You have to tie your film up to all of these different companies who all take,、uh, take a slice of the pie at the end of it.、Uh, and it's starring Yamazaki Kento as Josuke Higashi. Kata, if I remember correctly. I never actually had to pronounce that name, although I have seen the series before.、Um, Kamiki Rionsuke as、uh, Hiroshi Koichi and Isaya Yusuke as、uh, Jotaro Kujo. Jotaro Kujo, sorry.、Uh, the film essentially adapts episodes one to five, which makes up the Angelo and Nijimura brothers arc. And. This is a very mixed bag of an adaptation, unfortunately.、Uh, Mike Takashi is no 
foreigner to adaptations of popular properties. Uh, most of his uh, films are either anime or manga adaptations. Ichi the Killer was uh, a manga adaptation. Uh, Yatterman from 2012, I believe, was uh, obviously based on the popular Yatterman series. Uh, he's no fool when it comes to adaptation. And the weird thing about his process when it comes to adapting another kind of media to his own uh, filmmaking style is that he kind of goes whole hog and completely loses himself in the adaptation. Uh, from film, he's like a chameleon. From film to film, you really can't see a central style uh, dominating the work. His themes do, but like the central style is always according to whatever source material he's working with. Um, and working with Diamond is Unbreakable, the uh, Jojo Bizarre Adventure arc, uh, you see a lot of problems with this process because he just can't nail uh, the Araki style. If you know what uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is, it is a, an incredibly stylish, gaudy, uh, ludicrously designed show based on uh, muscular men and the insane fat, in, insane like runway looks uh, that and poses that they do. Uh, it's all about. Um, it's all about the style of these characters and how they function within the world. Uh, and he just can't, he, he can't come to, the, he can't step to that look. And he doesn't really try. I respect him not for to, uh, for doing the uh, one approach to directing a manga adaptation where you completely ignore the panels. Uh, the animes, uh, the anime adaptations of manga always go for like panel shots because that's like, it's a pictorial representation of that work and they need to be, it needs to be replicated in motion. Uh, Working with uh, Diamond is Unbreakable, you can't really see where Mike is taking from the manga and what like shots or what he's looking for. Uh, he's it's really his own uh, way of working through the the source material, and I respect that to an extent. But it also leaves the film missing something. Uh, Diamond is Unbreakable and the entire JoJo Bizarre's Adventure arc is very, like I said, stylish. You ha you have a certain look you have a certain feel for that uh, work. And this, when translating it to the big screen as he does, he loses a lot of that color, a lot of that personality. This is a very drab, bland-looking film. Uh, I'm, and I'm not sure if that's through uh, through the fault of Mike himself or just like the digital effects and digital cinematography that's working on this production, but it just doesn't look very good. It's very, like I said, grayish like all the colors and all like the designs themselves are muted uh for most of the costume work they don't really try and go for Araki's exaggerated style and that really hurts it because you want you want to see that because no one really does that look it, Araki has a very signature style that you can like pick out instantly uh it's kind of based on the like uh same uh like graphic look of what was that anime uh with Kenshin uh, Re Re no, no not Reborn and Kenshin um Fist of the North Star it has a very similar kind of like physical look to that and I really would have liked to see him try it at least uh he goes for a very he, he goes for a very like uh hazy look for this which i guess makes the digital effects and special effects look a little, little bit better uh the special effects aren't great in this by the way uh for those of you who don't know jojo's bizarre adventure uses this concept called stands where everyone has like a spirit form that can come out of their body and 
These are usually the most insanely stylish things of the entire show and entire the property. And yeah, like what they do is they make them into these ghost figures. So it's like they're mostly uh, translucent. They're mostly um, muted colored and they don't exactly, they're not appearing in the series itself. It's always just like in after images and like little uh, slices of them here and there. And it just leaves us, you, you're left wanting a lot more out of this adaptation. Uh, in terms of the story itself, they do a very good job of it. Uh, they cut it down to uh, just, I think like five, six episodes. Uh, like Because remember, it's a part one. So there's a part two coming eventually where they'll probably complete the uh, series. Um, they do leave some things out here or there because you have to. That's the nature of adaptation. And a lot of the actors uh, trying to mimic these iconic characters don't do a good job. They are all working on a very reduced playing field. They're, they're not uh, giving it their all. They're not going exaggerated, uh, which is a, a strange thing because that's one of Mikke's signature styles. All his actors go to 11 when they can. Uh, but with this one there I don't I don't I don't know they're just not giving it their all and you really want them to you really want them just to go off the handle and embody these characters because they're all exaggerated characters they're all uh, ridiculous constructions they're, they're not meant to be taken seriously and he doesn't try and none of his actors try and it's a shame uh, I'd say look it up if you're curious uh, because again for uh, any Takashi Miike complete completionist out there like myself uh you kind of want to know how he deals with it and he does what he can he does what he can with the source material but you just know that there was someone or like maybe uh an earlier someone else who could have handled this property or like an earlier Tagashi miki like in his 2000s run he could have really done something with this uh, moving on then to uh, a Netflix release, actually. Uh, Netflix handled the distribution rights for this one. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist 2017, directed by Sori Fumihiko, known uh, for the excellent sports film, by the way, uh, Ping Pong from 2002, which I highly recommend. Uh, he's mostly a visual effects supervisor, but uh, his output is kind of interesting. It's mostly like animation that he does. Uh, this was based on the manga, of course, by Arakara Hiramu, I believe if I'm getting that correctly, and it's based on the anime, uh, the original anime, not Brotherhood, I believe, uh, which aired between October of 2003 and October of 2004 by Studio Bones. This is from Warner Brothers Japan, uh, starring Yamada Ryosuke as Edward Elric, uh, and Honda Tsubasa as Winry Rockbell, and Fukioko Dean as Roy Mustang. The film adapts uh, a lot, actually. It, it, ado it adapts the entire first half of the series from episode 1 all the way up to episode 23 or something like that. And in between that huge span of like 23 episodes, it's about like, I don't know, several hours upon hours of, of content right there, lies the problem of this film. So much of the story is left on the cutting room floor because they just try and do way too much. This is just a two-hour film. And they try and do a whole series, a whole like 23 episode series into that fit in, into that two hours. And it's an absolute mess. The pacing is a huge issue in this film. Uh, for what they for like what uh, what storylines they do keep, it's mostly uh, the abolishment of the Reverend Cornello at uh, that one city, uh, them battling the hum uh, homunculi. Um, see what else uh 
And that all leads up to uh, them discovering the nature of the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, but pretty much everything that I have... Oh, also uh, Show Tucker and uh, Alexander and... Wow, I cannot believe... Mina, I believe her name is? Uh, that whole tragic arc is also thrown in there just for extra emotional gravitas, I assume. Uh, but yeah, in between that opening, uh, the opening of the series, all the way up to the first big break, like the first break between like uh, switching over theme songs, actually, uh, for the second half, the second like back half of the series, uh, they try and fit that all into two hours. And the the process is a mess. Like, it's so hard to follow this film, even having seen the series like four or five times as I have. Um, it's just a shame that to get to this point where it's like a workable film, workable in huge quotations, that they cut out so much stuff. Like, um, just to name a couple of things off the top of my head, uh, Barry the, the Butcher, uh, the entire thing of Ishbala and Scar, uh, the Elric Impostors, all of these important, huge uh, story arcs that would go on to affect the entire series are just taken out without ever addressing the huge holes that you leave in your story. Um, this is why the film feels so aimless and so, like, constructed together with, like, bubblegum and a prayer. This is, this is one of the worst... Uh, edited films, one of the worst uh, written films I've seen in a while. Uh, there's just nothing connecting these things together. It feels like they f they filmed most of what I was talking about and haphazardly cut here or, here, here or there just to reach a, like, a runtime that they could work with. And the result is a, just, like, this awkward construction of awkwardness and incoherent. It's, it's, it's really bad. And it's a shame because, uh, Sorry, as a director, like I said, with Ping Pong, and even with uh, his 2007 film, uh, Vexile, and 2008 film, Ichi, uh, he's a promising director. It's just working with this material, with his source material, he's completely lost. He has no idea what, he, what he's doing. Uh, so much of the charm of the original series does not come through. So many of the emotional moments, uh, they're reduced to like these five-minute scenes where, a where the problem itself is introduced and then solved instantly. It's... It just goes nowhere really, really slowly, and it just takes forever, and it's just, it's really bad. I I cannot stress that enough. Uh, this is one I would say absolutely skip. There is no need to see it. Uh, if you are a fan of Full Metal Alchemist, I suggest you skip it entirely because you're just going to get angry about all the great moments at the cutouts. Uh, and I know that's the nature of adaptation. You don't have to be like a pure at like a uh, like a pure uh rendering of the source material to be worthy of being an adaptation but if this is the alternative this uh this like pick and mix of different scenes and sequences and so much of the actual like uh story is changed around like uh the homunculus play this huge part uh which is not occupied by them in the original series and yeah like i don't it there's too much to get into i can't like relay the whole uh, plot mess to you over this podcast format because it just won't... It You need to see it for yourself or read about it or something uh, to believe how badly they fucked it up. And moving on to uh, Greener Pastures here. This is one I didn't expect to like as much because I'm not as familiar with the source material. But uh, nevertheless, Bleach from 2018, currently streaming on Netflix... Very, very good. Like, uh, after 
the huge disappointment with Mike's film. Uh, I'm usually an apologist for him. I usually find his work to be fascinating regardless. After that letdown, and then the Full Metal Alchemist like just driving me right off a cliff, uh, Bleach was like the kind of cushion at the bottom of that cliff, uh, catching me there. Uh, it's directed by Sat- Sato uh, Shinsuke, who also directed I Am a Hero, Death Note, Light Up the New World, Inu, uh, Inuashiki, and Gaunt. Uh, he's kind of made a cottage industry for himself doing anime adaptations, as many of these directors do. And of course, it is based on the manga by Kubo, and aired between December 2006 and December, and the series aired between December 2006 and December 2010 by Studio Piero. Uh, great for your arc I, I probably dropped out after like a year of watching that show i just couldn't keep up with it uh, and too many other things to watch of course uh this is from warner brothers japan uh released by netflix as i said and started starring fukuushi sota as ichigo kurosaka and suji saki hana as rukio kukuchi kuchiki my bad uh, the film adapts the Soul Reaper Asian arc, or roughly episodes 1 through 20, uh, to a much better, a much better product than what Full, Mal- Full Metal Alchemist did. Uh, granted, they are working with a less uh, strenuous story with not as many facets, uh, but this one is a very nice kind of entryway into the series itself. It gets most of the character arcs right. Um, it looked great, by the way. Uh, Film Metal Alchemist looked like sub-cosplay le- co- sub level of uh, costuming and effects. Uh, this one uh, looks pretty slick. Um, it does still have that like digital haze that plagued the other two films that I talked about, uh, but it's still okay. It's, uh, it's still legible. It's still fine. Uh, and, yeah, like, uh, it's... What they do is they condense it down to... Um, just the story of Ichigo and uh, Rukia, and doing that makes it a lot uh, more entertaining. It's much more focused, it's much more, there's like much more room to breathe in the story, and they really ease you into some of the higher concepts that they're going for with that series. Uh, It's all about, of course, with many um, anime and manga, it's about this like dualist view of the world between uh, spirits and the living. Spirits are attacking the living world, and it's up to Soul Reapers uh, to take them out and protect the living, uh, or so we're led to believe. And Ichigo, uh, being the hot-headed teenager, uh, male protagonist, is led into that world by uh, happenstance and becomes a Soul Reaper by accident. And the rest of the film is kind of like a training montage between him and Rukio to get him up to speed and to deal with these nefarious uh, agents of the spirit world who are coming in and trying to take back Rukia and essentially kill Ichigo. And the whole uh, relaying that plot is done very well. It's done very slow. It's done very deliberately. It uh, really takes you in through some familiar genre tropes before getting you into the more uh, the mythology of the show. It's kind of... It's kind of great, actually, how it... Uh, takes that original show and adapts it for the um, for the film market. Uh, it's kind of weird, actually, to see it done so well here. Uh, the film still isn't, like, great. Uh, some of the acting is a little bit iffy. Uh, I'm not too impressed with Sato's, uh, Sato's way of shooting. Uh, and a lot of the action is kind of uh, messy here or there. And, again, there's, a pa- there's some pacing problem with... Uh, we're kind of, like, 
stuck in the middle of that training sequence for a long time. Getting him up to speed takes like 45, like the, the majority share of the film just to do that. But yeah, like um, working with it, uh, you kind of get, it, it's, hmm, it's kind of a supplement to people who know what they're talking about, uh, know the series well, and a bit of a introductory to the series too. So it's a high recommend for me. I had a, a good time with it, and especially because I I don't really care about Bleach that much. I don't have a, an affinity for it, and to see it done so cleanly like this was kind of a relief. And uh, finally, in terms of the anime adaptations I want to talk about, uh, Tokyo Ghoul from 2017. 2017, directed by Hagiwara Kentaro. This is, of course, based on Ishida Sui's manga and the anime that aired between July and September of 2004, again produced by Studio Piero. Piero? Sure. Uh, this is uh, from Shuchiku, the only, the only um, adaptation today that is from a classic Japanese studio and stars Kubuto uh, Masataka as Ken Kanaki and Shimizu Fumika as Toka Kirishima, and of course, Suzuki Nobuyuki. Nobuyuki. I will get these names one of these days, I swear to you. As uh, Kotaro Eimon. The film adapts episodes 1 through 8 of the series, and this was by far the best film of the bunch here. Um, it goes for a very specific mood, it has a great sense of atmosphere, and it's using the anime uh, as a jumping off point to tell a more involved, engrossing story. It's not just working with what the anime gives you, it's going full hog and trying to adapt the feel of the manga for cinema. Like, unlike the other three, there is not that digital haze effect that you see with so many ad anime adaptations. It is much cleaner film. It's actually quite uh, striking, some of the images that they come up with. And it's a very moody, bleak, and dark film. Uh, given the source material, it's kinda, it kind of makes sense. Uh, this is uh, much in the vein of Bleach. It's about a dualist view of the world between ghouls, or like uh, demons, or what have you, and human beings. And our main character... Uh, Ken, he is a half-demon after an accident where his, like, his love interest just in the first, like, t five minutes of the film bites into his shoulder and nearly kills him in a very funny scene. Um, and he kind of operates that liminal space between the living and the dead, and it's, it goes to great pains to show you the struggle of existing in the human world as a demon. It kind of like, uh, to put it in a very cliched way, it's, trying to figure out what it means to be human and question our perceptions of that of that like a uh, viewpoint and it does it very well like um for example in this film uh demons aren't able to eat human food and there are a lot of scenes with uh ken and uh toka and other demon characters uh trying to keep up appearances and eat human food and getting these violent uh vomitous reactions to it it's all very well staged well well put the like the drama is comes across very well uh yeah this is a this is another winner uh despite probably what you hear about anime adaptations sometimes they can be good uh this one is actually an excellent film uh i don't i'd say seek it out like i had no notion of what tokyo ghoul was beforehand and this really drawn me drew me in uh based on how they work with the medium and how they uh present that uh tone of the series to a larger uh, screen like that. Uh, I didn't have high expectations for any of these, and 
it's kind of interesting how the ones I had least experience with or had least affinity for uh, turned out the best in my mind, while the other ones, which I've uh, either religiously watched, like Full Metal Alchemist, or uh, casually watched, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, like I, it, w- it wasn't so much the nature of the adaptation that I had a problem with, it just they didn't work as films, even like divorced from their source material. Uh, Tokyo Go absolutely does. Like you could watch this and not even realize it's based on another property and it's kind of funny how this one and bleach i'm lumping in together as good uh adaptations because they have very similar structures uh it's about the hot-headed male protagonist who's uh accidentally entered into a world he doesn't understand and receives training from a more experienced uh female character to acclimate himself to it and i liked him I liked uh, Tokyo Ghoul, I liked Bleach, Full Metal Alchemist can go to hell, and uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 1, maybe it'll get better with Part 2. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I have faith in Mikei Takashi, although he rarely does sequels that aren't for uh, straight-to-video, so I doubt he'll come back, but you never know. Oh, and uh, real quick, if you can, uh, TIFF is going on. I recently moved to Toronto. Uh, and I was able to see one Japanese film there, that, and that was Killing, directed by Tsukamoto Shinya, uh, directed, written, and shot by him, also starring him in a minor role. It's an excellent cerebral take on the samurai film. I suggest you all seek that one out and find it and watch it because it's excellent, and I really love this director's work. It was uh, a thrill to see him actually attend the screening and talk with the audience, so... So that's going to do it for me. Uh, We will hopefully be back in running next week with uh, Aruba in studio. In studio in air quotes because we just do it over Skype as you know. And yeah, that's going to do it for me.